Well, we will transition. Uh, I, I think I'm on my third or fourth bottle of water already. Uh, whoo, God is good. Well, man, thank you so much. I know it's not a coincidence. You can get your Bibles ready in Acts chapter 13. I'll be respectful of the time. I don't want you to ever feel like you've got to rush the Holy Spirit because you think I'm going to preach an hour if the Holy Spirit moves, okay? I'll shorten what I need to shorten as long as God gets to have his way. Amen? And so Acts chapter 13 is where we're going to be. We're really picking up in the story, and, and I'm just enthralled in this story. I'm excited. I've been praying and believing that God can reveal things through this story. We're following the journey of Paul. And so I've called it a summer's journey here. You can see we started with the commissioning last week of, of Paul and, and Barnabas being commissioned. And really, they only got home. They, they, they crossed the island. If you look at a map, there, there's an island really close to the mainland where they were. They sailed there. And that's where we sort of left off as they traveled through this island. But today, and again, no coincidence... I think, just like in the story, where God wants to do something new, he's obviously speaking that to us today, this morning, that he's wanting to do something new. Amen? And so here's where we're at. If you need a title or whatever, I think the, the, the biggest takeaway and where we're going and what we're going to lean in on and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us is I believe that what makes this all so important is that first step outside home. This is the first step outside of home. So let me water up and we're going to jump into this thing. All right, so you're at Acts. Chapter 13, we'll read it here in just a minute. Let me start with an illustration. You guys, it's been a little, it's been a minute. I didn't give you one last week. I had to roll through in, uh, for the baptism service. And so I thought this was a cute little story. A young boy had, had just gotten his driving permit. And I could just see myself and Levi doing this too. He had just gotten his driving permit and he asked his father, who was a minister, if they could discuss the use of the car. And so his father took him into the study and said, I'll make you a deal, son. You bring your grades up, you study the Bible a little bit, and you get a haircut, and we'll talk about it. And so after about a month, the boy came back, and, uh, you know, he, he asked his father, hey, can we discuss the use of the car? And so again, they went to the father's study, and the, the father said, son, I, I'm really proud of you. you. You brought your grades up, you studied the Bible diligently, but you didn't get a haircut. And the young man waited a moment, and he replied, You know, Dad, I've been thinking about that. You know, Samson had long hair. Moses had long hair. Noah had long hair. And even Jesus had long hair. To which the father replied, Yes. And they walked everywhere they went. <laughs> mm. Oh, man. So speaking of walking, I believe we're on a journey, much like the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. Uh, we are on a journey, and God wants you to take that first step out of home. Well, what's home? So in the, the story, home was, was Cyprus, the island Cyprus, and you know that was Barnabas' home, and, and God wanted them to clean house, and they did, and, and 
that sorcerer who was trying to keep the governor from believing in Jesus was, Paul looked right at him and called it out, right? That's what we've been doing. But then after that, they had to take the first step out of home. And so Acts chapter 13, we're going to begin in, in verse 13 of chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, let's stand in reverence to God's word together. And let's explore what God has for us. Starting at verse 13. Paul and his companions then left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. There John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia. On the Sabbath, they went to the synagogue for the services. After the usual readings from the books of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent them this message. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. So Paul stood up, lifted his hand to quiet them, and started speaking. Men of Israel, he said, and you God-fearing Gentiles, listen to me. And of course, here the, Paul begins to deliver a message, and I don't want to lose you in reading the message, so skip down to verse 38. I would encourage you to study the message that he shares, but go to verse 38. We'll pick up reading. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never do. Be careful. Don't let the prophet's words apply to you. For they said, look, you mockers, be amazed and die. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. We'll stop there. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just touch this, this time that we have together. I pray you'd get me out of the way, get your hindrance, any hindrances out of the way, God, and let your message pierce through. I pray we'd be sharpened by the scripture and by what your Holy Spirit is, is speaking and moving already in this place, God, as you want to do something new, but there's a responsibility on us, God. We're supposed to take that first step outside of home. And God, I'm just praying you'd move in this time that we have together in the name of Jesus. And if you agree, say amen. You can be seated. Now, I'm going to keep an eye on the clock here. I'm just, there's so much about this story I'm just fascinated by. I could nerd out, geek out all day long with this story. And so I want you to just notice the very first thing. And this will be our first point as we dig into this. Taking, taking that first step out of home. Verse 13, who is the first person mentioned? It's Paul. Now, that might not immediately strike you as, as interesting, but if you look at the commissioning at the beginning of chapter 13, scholars even have argued and have reached a general consensus or an agreement that it was it really does look like Barnabas was intended to be the leader at first. He was intended to be the leader of this missionary journey. The church blessed them. They laid hands and prayed. Barnabas and Saul is how it constantly was written. But here we see a turning point. They're taking their first step out of home, first step out of comfort, 
And there's already a change in leadership. And I'll just start with this first point that you get to mull on and stew on. Are you willing to follow the Holy Spirit's leading when he chooses to use another leader? When he chooses to use someone else? Now, here's the thing. Some of you are like, I wish he would use someone else. And so you're probably the one... You're the someone else, probably, that God's wanting to use, right? I've been that way growing up. I'm like, man, I'm not the first to raise my hand. You ever go to, like, a class and you have to learn something? Man, I don't sit in the front. I don't ask questions. I am the fly on the wall if I could, if it's up to me. And so if, if you're like that, maybe you're the someone else. But I want you to ponder that for a moment. Are you willing to follow the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit's leading when he chooses to use somebody you weren't expecting. Maybe, you know, if you're that awesome leader, and I don't doubt that Barnabas was an awesome leader. I think it, it's even shown by his attitude towards Paul. He seems ready and willing to follow Paul's lead. It says Paul and his companions. Barnabas didn't even get the honorable mention until the next verse. He's now just a companion of a, of a new leader here. Paul, I'm fascinated by it. I think it shows Barnabas' ability to lead. I think it proved right then and there just how awesome of a leader he was. And so I want you to think of that. Can you follow someone else's lead when they're being led by the Holy Spirit? Or does it always have to be you? This is a moment of reflection. I, I look at myself all the time. And, and I have to ask these things, too. When God is calling somebody to run a ministry, to, to begin to do a work, can you follow the lead when it's not Pastor Shane? Can you follow the lead when it's, it's, it's not Miss Carla? But when God is in it, can we follow? That's yes. I find it even more fascinating when you look at this instance. You know, they travel, they make their first step into into this new place, uh, Pamphylia. They leave the island. This is their first step out of home, and they're invited to come preach. And when you look at it at the time in the synagogue, they would, they really could call on any competent Jew to deliver the message, which is kind of wild. I love y'all, but I'd be a little nervous if, you know, Sunday I would just call out somebody and be like, you're going to deliver the message today. I think you'd be nervous, too. We don't know what we're going to get, right? I love all of this because it's a testament of, of what we need to do, self-reflect. I'm going to take that first step out of home, and if the Holy Spirit's in it, I don't have to be in charge. If God wants to, to impress on somebody's heart in here that you want to run with a ministry of, of those that are recovering from addictions or substance abuse, man, I'm going to high-five you, and I'm going to hold your arms up as you're praying or worshiping, and I will be your biggest supporter, and I will, I will follow if the Holy Spirit's in it. Amen? Then I don't have to be the leader. I even think, you know, in, in Michigan, I had this, this job fresh right out of, out of college. You know, I don't even know, what was I, like 22, so naive. Look back now, and, it, you know, Levi would say cringe. That's the, phrase, the word, you know, cringe. I look back, and I'm like, oh, I was so young and stupid. And, yes, I said stupid because I'm talking about myself. And I look back, and I, I was in charge of this event. I worked for uh, the county government, and I was in charge of an event called a, a Household Hazardous Waste Event. 
You, I've mentioned it before, but we just said HHW for short because that's a mouthful. And we would spend, six, our budget was about 60000 for this event. We'd collect waste from around the county and, uh, and dispose of it safely. And I was the guy in charge. And, and there's a leadership lesson here. I promise I'm going to get to it. But here I'm a fresh out of college, don't know much about life yet. I don't really understand how life works, you know. Uh, and I've been entrusted with this. And I remember the director came to me and he said, Shane, You've been preparing for this event for months. You've had all the meetings with all the stakeholders you needed. You've been planning. You know the money. You know, you, you know how everything needs to go. He said, so on the day of, I need you to be in charge. He said, what that means is I might be the director, but I work for you on Saturday. That's when the event was. He says, Saturday, you're in charge. I work for you. And I thought that was I look back now and I'm like, man, what a leadership lesson. Just like we see here with Paul and Barnabas, there's no, no power play or power struggle. Just like, you know, my director had looked to me because it was critical for the mission. If we're going to be successful, we can't have a little, you know, power rift where, you know, he, he, he's trying to stroke his ego and me, mine. And no, 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 we've got to work for the cause and for the mission. Are you following me? And so the question is, are you willing, though? It's so easy when we just read a story and we just brush it off. You're like, okay, pastor, get to the next thing. Come on, I got that. But do you? Do you? When, when God is calling the person next to you to lead a ministry, can you wholeheartedly support them in it? I think, I think these are things we need to reflect on. All right, I'll keep, I'll keep going. If you read on, I love it when you notice that John Mark decides to leave the party. Now, what I find so fascinating about this, okay, they're in Cyprus. There's a transition now. They move northward to the next, back, basically back to the mainland off this island. Um, and John decides to travel with them all the way that far. And then say, obviously, there's some sort of disagreement. He says, I got, I got to go. He leaves. We believe there had to have been some sort of argument. First, because later in chapter 15, I believe it is, Paul acknowledges that he's just not, he's just, he's upset about it. But also, too, because he has to backtrack where he just traveled to get back home. Now, I don't know, these little details drive me nuts, and I, I nerd out because that's so important to me, because here we're on this mission as a church, and you have a mission even with what God has commissioned you to do in your ministry context at home. But you'll be on this journey, and somebody They'll be willing to go the distance, or so you think, and they're right by your side. But at some point, it becomes worth it to them in their mind to backtrack all the progress they've made and go back and give up. And so the question is, are you only willing to continue when your friends are willing to go to? And by friend, you can say family, you could say your closest you know, confidant, whatever you want to call it, but I'm just, you know, I wonder what caused the issue, you know? Does anybody like some juicy drama when you're not in it? Amen? When you're not a part of the drama? I used to do that, you know, I would ask different ones at workplaces. I wanted to, I wanted the skinny. I'd be like, hey, what's the latest? What's the latest gossip around the water cooler, right? It's nice when you're not in it. I wonder what the drama was. Maybe it was because of the change in leadership. Now, the speculation, maybe Barnabas would have been related 
uh, to John Mark, and so maybe he didn't like that. Now Paul's the leader. I don't know. Could have been because of sickness. There was well-known sickness in that region where they were going. Many scholars think Paul got sick, and so he wanted to go home and, and didn't want to get sick. It could have been because his mom was, he missed his mom, who was a widow. Who knows? But whatever the fact that caused it, he felt like it was worth backtracking enough and I can't imagine the disappointment and frustration. I mean, we read a little of Paul's angst in, in a couple chapters. But I believe there are people in your circles that will do the same. And the question is, do you just get so frustrated and take it out on the people? Or do you get so frustrated that you decide to quit or you change direction? Hear me out because, man, this is so simple, but yet it's so real. It's so real. Will you continue when the others around you, they decide to just turn back, say, nah, backtracking is worth leaving. And so I've got another little illustration for you just to make sure you're still awake. And because I just, I stumble across these. I'm like, man, that works with the sermon. So here we go. Two friends were walking through the woods when they heard something. Well, they turned around and saw a big black bear coming towards them. Both men started to run. When one of them, all of a sudden, he stopped to change his shoes. So the second man said, you don't have time to change your shoes. You can't outrun the bear. The first man said, I know I can't outrun the bear. I only have to outrun you. <laughs> man, my philosophy is we've got to press on with the mission, with whomever's willing to make the journey. And I'll encourage you as much as possible along the way. And I'll equip you with everything that I know how to. And I will do the best that I can. But ultimately, I've got to keep going. I've got to keep going. I want you to come with me. But I've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. And just ask yourself, are you quitting because of someone else? If you quit praying for that thing because of someone else, else? Have you quit believing in miracles because of someone else? Have you quit asking God because of someone else? You see this. It's powerful. But here we go. Let me continue on in the story. Verse 44. Let me get there. We'll pick up with verse 44. And we'll just read a little bit here through verse 50. But verse 44, the following week, Almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. And so they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, It was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews, but since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout the region. Now, one, one last verse, or a couple here. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. 
We can just hit pause there. The next question for you is, will you pivot when God redirects? See, the message was intended to start with the Jews, but they were not receptive. And so Paul and Barnabas had to pivot. They had to switch now and and go after the Gentiles. And, And you might be thinking like I did. You know, reading through this, well, you know, we're supposed to leave the, the 99, you, you know, the story in, in, in Mark, uh, Matthew, I believe it's chapter 18, where Jesus uses that illustration of, well, you leave the 99 for the one, right? Well, I think there's a distinction to be made here. See, Matthew 18 also gives us a recipe for conflict, how to address conflict. And I think. The point here is that when the one is in rebellion, you do your part to make it right. But if they're in rebellion, Jesus even says in that same chapter, then you treat them like a pagan or a tax collector. Meaning I'm going to love you and I'm always going to be here to minister to you. But if you rebel, then I've I've got to invest in those that are willing to receive what God wants to pour out. Amen? I know we we sort of trip up. Yes, you go after the one until they flat out just are in rebellion and start to speak against God and speak against things. We've got to invest in those that we can actually influence, that we have some influence over. And so I'm asking, can you pivot when God redirects? And if you read the last two verses here, So picking up in verse 51, so they shook the dust off their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium and the believers were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Man, last thing I'll just hit here is, will you shake off the dust when rejection comes? Look, I'm, I'm leading us to something here. We're supposed to take this first step out of home. And But these are questions that I feel like the Holy Spirit is asking us. He's asking, are you willing to follow and wholeheartedly pour in if God appoints somebody else than who you expected? And when people decide that, man, I can't keep going, will you keep going? And when God asks you to pivot and maybe change a little bit or, or maybe just the game plan has to adjust a little Will you be willing to do that, or are you going to say, nah, that wasn't already in the plan? That wasn't in the roadmap that I had when we started. Or are you going to to quit and give up because God wants to shift in a new direction? And then at the end of all that, when when just all the dust settles from that conflict and that just, that feeling of rejection, people didn't want to make the journey with you, are you going to shake it off and keep going? This is just the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul, and we're actually only a couple stops in here. And already he's had all this conflict, and I don't think it's a coincidence. It was recorded. They had to shake the dust off, and they had to keep going. Here's another thing I need you to just lean in. I I noticed in reading this, Notice that the believers did this together. See, there's times where like Elijah, a couple weeks ago we talked about Elijah. He was by himself. And God's like, hey, you're not really alone. I've reserved 7,000. But here, 
I just find it interesting. This isn't a scenario where the character is isolated by himself. This is a corporate thing. So what I lean in and I believe is that this means it's for the church. This is for us. It says they, their feet. So they shook the dust from their feet, Paul and his companions. I mean, they are, they are going and birthing the church in these towns and cities. They're spreading the gospel. Churches are being birthed. This is us. This is us in the story. And so what, what do I need you to get from that? As a church, we are taking this step, and I believe it's no coincidence we sing about it. We are taking our first step out of home. Well, what's home? Home's whatever you're comfortable with, whatever you're familiar with. Maybe you're not used to coming to the altar and people laying hands on you and praying. Maybe you're not used to speaking in your heavenly language. Maybe you're not used to believing for radical miracles. I don't know what it is personally, but as a church, God is calling us to take that first step out of home. Whatever that is, whatever that comfort zone looks like, God is asking us if we're willing to take that step, can we do it? Are we going to quit the first time somebody says it's not worth it to them? Are we going to just turn around and say, man, Sunday service is just not worth it. The work of ministry we do during the week is just not worth it. Sorry. Do we quit or do we keep going? Man, I think there's something powerful coming up in the next months. We've got VBS, and yes, I know it's just a few days. But, man, I think that could be the tiny spark that ignites a wildfire of God using us in our community, in the families here, in, in families of those that you know that maybe don't come. I think it could be the spark. But God's asking, are you going to take that step outside of the comfort zone, outside of home? And once you do, will you just so quickly quit when the first little bump in the road comes up? Are you gonna, Are you in it for the long haul? You know, I've been open about our adoption journey, and that's one thing we've had to reiterate. We've been almost interrogated, it feels like, at times. They're like, are you sure about this? Are you sure about that? What about this? And we're like, yes, 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 our answer isn't going to change. And I've, I've had to tell the social worker often, we're in it for the long haul. And we'll prove it. We're in it for the long haul. Until God tells me to pivot, I'm in it for the long haul. And now, listen, it doesn't make it easy. I get it. It doesn't make it easy with the mission that we've been entrusted with here at The Rock. It, it, just, just because we know doesn't make it easy to be in it for the long haul. But I believe that's what we're supposed to do. And I need to know that I've got some Bible-believing, God-fearing believers in the room that are willing to take that step with me as a church? Are we willing to take that step outside of home and, and begin to, to dream again, begin to believe again in miracles and start calling them out and start looking at Satan and saying, you're done? Are we, are, can we do that as a church family? Man, I'm slow. I get it. So y'all get a pass if you're like me. This morning, I was a little slow. I was, I, I'll be an open book, and I'm sorry if it offends you, but, you know, I get here this morning, and, and uh, the AC's not working in the fellowship hall, and it's just, it's really messy, understandably, and I'm like, man, we got to get clean, and then I got to get, get that working, and people are, they're just not going to bring their kids, and, and it's just all just this and that, and I'm just upset, just in a mood. You ever get in a mood? Humidity doesn't help. I think there's a direct correlation with humidity and, <laughs> and attitude. 
humidity is up, attitude was up, and I'm just like, you know, and then and then uh, Brother Brandon walked through the back, and he he mentioned he was hurting, and and I'm I was slow to call it, but I got around to it, and you know we brought Brandon up and we prayed, and I just I think man we we're gonna take this step outside of home, but we've got to be willing to do what Paul did. We've got to start calling it for what it is and say Satan, you can't. I rebuke this hindrance. I rebuke this distraction and discouragement. I don't care what it looks like. It doesn't have to stay this way. Amen. Just like, just like in the story, you know, the Apostle Paul could have just said, forget it. The Jews just don't want this, and he could have called it good. He pivots, as God wants him to, to the Gentiles now, and he continues on. And I think that's the charge for us. I want to see Bible-believing support groups using the church during the week I want to see our kids during the week that that maybe normally after school they would just, you know, they'd go home and get into all kinds of who knows what. And they'd let, you know, YouTube and, and all these other outside sources just lie to them and feed them with lies about, you know, maybe you should try a, a different gender or maybe you should just experiment or maybe you're just, you're not what you thought you were. No, no, no. I'd love to see those kids in programs in the church during the week. I want to see seniors here during the week where, where I can smell the, the smell of coffee and hear seniors meeting and reminiscing about the memories and all the things God's brought them through. I want to see and hear new songs being birthed right here, not because we need another elevation worship, no, but because I don't personally know Pastor Stephen Furtick. I don't know those guys. You don't either, and unless you do, let me know. But you don't know them either, and so you need to hear the songs of those you know because they have influence on you, and that can change your life, right? There's so much I want to see birthed in God. I want to see us take that next step. I want, I want to see teens playing basketball or, or making their graffiti wall for Christ. I, Whatever. I, I'm sorry if that offends you. I want to see the work of ministry. I want to see these things, but we've got to be willing to take that step. Somebody's got to. Now, I'll say this. As your pastor, I'll do anything. God says scrub the toilet. I'll scrub it. Even for the work of ministry, I guess we could create this parallel. I've even bathed in some mess cutting a pipe that had, I'll spare you the details, when we lived in the parsonage in Flint, Michigan, I had to fix a pipe that was backed up from the toilet and took a shower in it. I'll do what I got to do. Sorry. See, I made sure you're not in a rush to lunch now. But I'll do anything if God's in it. But, but listen to me, as much as it pains me to even say it, I can't do everything. I'll do anything. I can't do everything. And so today's message is a rally cry. If you haven't picked this up, God's wanting to do something new. He's looking in the congregation right now. He wants to do something new, and it starts in one of the pews here where God has called you to do some kind of ministry. And I will wholeheartedly support you, and I'll do everything I can. But God is asking, will you, do, can, will you be okay with me using you to do something new? Maybe it wasn't one of those ministries I mentioned. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. 
The sky's the limit. I can think of all kinds of things. I'd love to have one of those ultrasound machines where you could bring an unexpected mother in to, to be able to see her baby. We could offer classes or connect with somebody who can. Uh, all kinds of stuff. But you know, all of that is contingent on people who are willing to take that step outside of home. That's what it comes down to. And so this is the rally cry, is that we would gear up and just and be willing to take that first step. And if that's you, I want you to be praying. Get out of your comfort zone. Tell us if you got, you know, I understand you might not want to just stand up and start shouting, I'm going to do this ministry. You can. I'll high five you and we'll roll with it. But come to us. Tell us. Let's do the work of ministry. Thank you for those that are already doing it. I don't want to overlook you, but I feel like God wants to do something new. And so Satan is doing everything within his ability to discourage us, right? He's trying to discourage us. Here, I want to get this room fixed up, fellowship hall fixed up. I want a nice space for kids. We got VBS coming. And, and what happens, right? The, the ceiling that was completely fine before is like pieces of drywall are falling. The fellowship hall is acting crazy. I'm going to call it for what it is. We have a mission that God has put us. He's commissioned us for a mission. And we're taking that step. And Satan's wanting to attack us. But no, we're going to shake the dust. Amen? Would you stand to your feet? We're going to shake that dust. We're going to call it for what it is. And we're going to walk in the blessings and believe that, God, you're not done with us. You're not done with the rock. You're not done with the work of ministry. Mm. And we're going to do it together. Amen? This, this wasn't a solo act for the Apostle Paul. I know I already said that, but I think somebody needs to hear that again. So they shook the dust from their feet. They. We're doing this together, amen? We proved it in the time that we had in the altar. Praying for one another. Hmm. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this.